but it was a red card. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an incident. It was kind of they were confused whether or not they can go back enough plays to check it again, which is why it wasn't given. Yeah. But like, look, we're kind of sick and tired of this. Like, I mean, it, the fact that he went on then a couple of minutes later and scored the winning drop goal, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it was even more, worse for Gloucester. So he shouldn't have been on the pitch in the first place. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland. I'm Greg O'Shea and as always the lovely Lindsay Peters here beside me. How are you doing Lindsay? I'm good, how are you? I'm fabulous, yeah. Good weekend now. I was on the late late on Friday. Do you know what? We were so proud of you. Oh, thank well, you we so text much. you obviously we very very proud moment very brave man and you were just your gorgeous natural self so <laughs> a lot of people um, I'd say you really hit home so yeah we're very proud well done to you I appreciate that thank you yeah y'all text me I appreciate it even yeah. Pat the producer did um, yeah it was very exposing but look as long as it helps some some young fellas it's all that matters and I've been inundated with young guys and even older lads coming up to me on the street and stuff so um, hopefully it was a catalyst to get lads talking and we have another lad sitting beside you here Jason who reached out to me as well how yeah. was your weekend Good, 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 good. Yeah, but no, but just before you, before you move on from that, like, I mean, I have to say, Greg, it's something that isn't speaking about enough. And you know that yourself. And it's why you came out and said it. Like, and I know lots of my friends and I've had problems myself. I think a lot of young guys will say they've had problems. And yeah. it's just like, it's such a taboo subject. And it's finally that it's starting to get out. And something like the Late Late Show, to see the older people don't get a chance to see what's going on in young guys' lives. Young men and women. Yeah. Like, so it's good and fair picture. Yeah, exactly. And here we can take a page out of the, the female book. You're much better speaking to each other, yeah. it seems to be. Whereas like men, we're just trying to be the stoic yeah. guys. And especially coming from rugby backgrounds. But it might be the same in, in female address rooms. Well, you took the words out of mouth. I think we, we talk about the, the game that we adore, which is rugby. And I think, you know, having come from different sports and you come into it, it's certainly like you have to be this man's man, you know, really buff and really, you know, like you're like stone and um and yeah, I have a two great guys that sit to my right and left who are not that you're like emotional, but you're just able to express whatever you're feeling and, and that needs to come in. And I've obviously a young son that we're trying to change that taboo because I've a I have a dad who's a great guy, but he's he's old school and he, he doesn't mm. talk about a lot of things. But yeah, mm. he's not emotional, but yeah, his behaviours would say something different. So do you know what? Listen, I'm sure it's embarrassing for you. We just think we're just very proud of you and even yourself there, Jason, just to acknowledge us. So listen, yeah. fair play and it's someone to, as a conversation starter and just eliminate the, yeah, the taboos and the stigma that surrounds just being what, what we envisage as a man's man. And, exactly, you know, yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't take away from your masculinity to having a little chat or a little That's cry it. or Damn anything straight. else. Damn um, and I'm not too emotional either. Um, I've been in therapy now for about 18 months and it's it's nice to be able to chat and it's different and it's maybe not for everyone and everyone has to find their way. But listen, yeah. it's about opening the conversations. That was beautifully put, Lindsay. Thanks very much. Um, and let's get into the episode. This is episode 13 of the season. Lucky so we're some. well stuck into it, aren't we? Yeah, thank God it's Monday, huh? Yeah, yeah. thank God it's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> we had some lovely URC on the weekend we're going to get stuck into. But um, there's also a chat from Jake Heenan. Our very own producer, Pat, was chatting to him as part of the season with series at Rugby Joe. So that's coming a little bit later. Um, but we actually want to talk about some tackling, some tackle tech that was going on in the weekend, guys. We have a few bold boys. Um, <laughs> Owen Farrell, Manitou. Lange, Aaron Cruden and Damien Dialande were all messing around the weekend. Yeah. 
What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I mean, the big one, obviously, we're going to have to start off with the Owen Firebomb because, like, we know, like, uh, T-Rex, as he's uh, familiar, known as them. But uh, another incident there, and I think what made it kind of even bigger is the fact that it was uh, Saracens versus Gloucester. Um, the tackle, it was on Jack Clement. It was a pick and go off a rook. No arms, shoulder tucked behind. Mm. Um, there was a bit of a miscommunication between the TMO, Claire Hodnett, and the referee on the day was, my mind has gone blank path, I can't remember free was doesn't matter it's irrelevant but it was a red card um there was an incident it was kind of they were confused whether or not they can go back enough plays to check it again which is why it wasn't given yeah but like look we're kind of sick and tired of this like i mean it, the fact that he went on then a couple of minutes later and scored the winning drop goal <laughs> you know so yeah. it was even more, worse for Gloucester so he should have been on the pitch in the first place and as I said they, even O'Driscoll was talking about us on Sunday ahead of the Harlequins match Harlequin Sale which is another match which has another incident which we will get on to later on mm. but he was like you know we're seeing this time and time again with Farrell with his technique and look he's supposed to be getting to, we'll find out today now whether he gets sighted or not like I would imagine he will yeah. and yeah, he has been sighted. There you go, it's Justin. Justin. Carl Dixon as well. Yeah. Carl Dixon has referee so he's just been sighted. So. And do we know what he got? Uh, it's here and tomorrow, yeah. half six or something like that, yeah. Okay, well, we're presuming that they'll probably use him, use him as an example for the Six Nations and maybe he might miss the first week or second week. What do you think, Lindsay? Well, I think they need to, like, I mean, it's Groundhog lads, isn't it? We're like constantly week <laughs> on week, we're talking about the same things, the same issues. I think something big has to happen. So I think you don't want anyone to be the scapegoat, but someone has to be done like so. The likes of Owen Farrell, who is, I think O'Driscoll said it, you know, it's, it's you want your leader and your 10 kind of making those big tackles, but you can actually see the angle of his shoulder going in. Yeah. And I've been there as a prop, as a forward on the five metre line, and it's very hard to tackle when someone in a pick and go. So you kind of target the ball, but you still have to wrap something you know, not try and go for your man's head. Um, so I think they're going to ma- have to make an example of some big player. And I think, unfortunately, oh, it you know, it's it's an opportunity that can't be missed. And actually, Brian Driscoll explains it very well about the laws and, you know, the phase and the play and can the TMO go back. Yeah. Um, so if you get an opportunity, have a look at that, because actually I was fascinated by it as well. Every day is a school day. Mm. Um, so that's where the miscommunication came in. But again, we it can't come down to that. Like, grand, that was a missed opportunity. Human error, fine. Now we need to look at the sighting and the hearing and yes. make an example and try and eliminate this so we're not talking about international level and we're going over the same thing. And, you know, we'll go on to the next two or three examples. So it's not just one we're talking about this weekend. It's four and some of them were serious, serious head collisions that would have left players mm. yeah. out of the game. Yeah, the confusion with the Owen Farrell and Jack Clement issue, I think, was the ref went up to the what the TMO, TMO and yeah. said, can you check the last phase of play where they're allowed to check the last passage? Yeah. So I think she didn't go far back enough to see the incident with Farrell. So she actually just didn't even see it, yeah. didn't get picked up. But the siding commissioner obviously did and he just yeah. got sided there in the last couple of minutes. So Owen Farrell might be getting a slap on the wrist and might miss a couple of Six Nations games. But... Do you know what? As you're saying, Lindsay, we have to do something about mm. this because there was three others on the weekend, Manitoulangi on Tommaso Allen. And you were telling me, Jason, I'd missed the game, but mm. that Tommaso Allen actually got stretchered off the pitch. I, I Look, that That's one, right. like, it just drives me mad because it's just people are getting more and more confused with rugby and what's going on in the game and what's legal and what's not legal and what's allowed. And even like I, I had it up on Twitter, like, and the back and forth of people saying, oh, it's a rugby incident or you get these stupid tweets. You've obviously never played rugby before. You know, he's nothing you could do there. Look, if you watch the incident, okay, so uh, Tommaso Allen goes to gather a kick. He knocks it on, it goes forward. As he drops down to the ground, Manitoulagi comes in, but he comes down, into, uh, Tommaso Allen comes down to his knees and uh, <clears throat> Manitoulagi comes in 
uh, kind of at an angle with his shoulder pointed out mm. and completely takes his head off, almost decapitates him, busts his eye open, he ends up getting stretched off, he's got a history of concussion as well, so very, very worrying scenes, the match was stopped for about five minutes. William Barron straight away just goes, I see nothing there, I see no foul play, brushed it all off, didn't even check it, just played on. And then the commentators in are saying, so you've got Ben Kay saying, um, but there's no rap. And then you've got Ugo Mania saying, ah, it's just a rugby collision. And they That's just brushed it off. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you're giving mixed messages and no one knows what's going on. And then people are saying, oh, there's nothing he could do there. He couldn't stop. But there is no rap, right? I know it happens in a very, like, it happens very quickly. The same thing happened Ben Earl there a few weeks back where his, his uh, red card ended up getting overturned because they said he had something like 0.8 of a second to react in that moment of time. But if you look at what happens, look, okay, I understand he does drop. Like there, like you can, there is an argument to say maybe Tulagi couldn't stop. But there is an argument to say he shouldn't have went in in the first place or he shouldn't have tucked his shoulder. But either way, the outcome is you've got a guy who's like a serious bang to the head, who's been stretchered off the pitch. And do you know what they gave in the end? The knock-on. Against Tommaso <laughs> Against just Tomaso been stretchered off. You know, so I mean, yeah. you, you just, I don't know what's going on. I be. saw it, right? So you're telling me, right? So <clears throat> Tuolangi is like looking at uh, Tommaso Allen taking that ball. Obviously, you know you can't tackle in the air. So if you're a smart player, you're thinking, right, I'll wait till he gets the Slower ball, push. come down and absolutely leather him on, on, on his landing, yeah. which is legal. Yep. But the fact that, you know, we're saying about no time, if you'd no time and you're out of time, surely it would have been upright, it would have been a chest bump, something. You're telling me you've no time to readjust your body? He had him lined up, really. so he had him he lined had up him while he was in the air. Absolutely lined So that up. means he's not being, he's not taking like, proper care of the player there. He's, he's it's it's foul play at the yeah. end of the day. There's no whether it's accidental for. foul play, whether he, there was intention there or not, mm. you should be looking at the outcome of what actually happened. And what happened was a full four shoulder into the chin. And a player yeah. getting stretched off the pitch with a serious injury. Like he could have been really, really like I saw it. Like and like Tuolagi is like a centre of like like nearly prop size proportion away. Tommaso Allen is a nine. Like I mean, it's just it's just an uneven contest at the best of times. Let alone if you know someone's lined up. So I, I think that was probably for me the most horrific. Like I was grimacing at it, you know. And um, yeah. like I've been there with neck injuries, even to go to poach a ball and you just get this shoulder in the back. It's just it's just not nice. It's so dangerous. And you said Manu Tolangi is the size of a vending machine, like, oh, vending and machine. he's hasn't wrapped and he's put his shoulder into Tomas Allen's head. I'm very surprised that Wayne Barnes didn't even go and check it. It's like. Wayne Barnes is trying to like prove his authority on the pitch or something. I'm not taking that. Or was he protecting the player because of international? I don't know. Was that it? Be interesting to see if Tulagi gets sided or something. But he probably won't be because because like Tomas Allen's probably like out for a while now because you said he has a concussion history. Yeah. And he went off stretcher. He's not okay this Monday morning. Like so, and there's still no card, not even a yellow card. What I did about that as well is like, and I knew when it happened. Like BT didn't put that up or anything, right? And there was no clips of it. I actually recorded off the TV and put it up, and had three hundred thousand views overnight, and hundreds of comments from players and ex-pros, and people are kind of going, "This is a huge discussion. Like, why is this?" And it's just like, nah, it didn't happen. Because again, it's under the spotlight, and no one wants the difficult conversations about it until it changes, lads. We have to keep um, chatting about it now Tommaso Allen did put up on his Twitter I think you know thanks for the messages I am good but we can't sugarcoat this no no, no. It's, exactly it's, 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 as you said it's Groundhog Day it's happening every podcast every, we're talking yeah. about someone getting decapitated like yeah. it's just oh my god it's so bad and another one that we have to talk about is Aaron Cruden who's a 50 capper at least for the All Blacks just made such a stupid clear out on Fafta Clerk yeah. straight yeah. on top of his head yeah. and he did get a red card yes. did you see that one Jason? yeah that was that was kind of similar situation to Farrell's one 
but probably a little, even a little bit worse even that because it's he, he has more time he's yeah. more time to line them it's up more he's calculated like, yeah. yeah and it's just like as you said 50 caps Aaron Cruden has been around the block he's played super rugby with the Chiefs for years he's played over in Montpellier here like very very experienced 10 yeah. I mean come on like just an experienced you know, nine though with Faf de Klerk I'd say he was a nine and he was kind of just you know <laughs> lauding there at the back of the rook a nine and no yeah no listen he was just know? poking Cruden yeah. to be honest and he reacted and, and they kind of smiled and shook hands Faf did make a meal of it to be ah, fair ah listen like, but again we can't kind of sugarcoat it he yeah. played the game and yeah. he won yeah. he is that's why he's so good Faf de Klerk yeah. getting guys riled up I'd say he was maybe chirping or something that's why he did it oh I was so yeah, everyone knows that was nines don't yeah. they you're kind of at the back of the rook going I can't wait to get you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Damon Delande De had one on you Sakamoto he got a red card for a bad clear out on the back of the neck I didn't actually catch that one Lindsay. I did, did yeah um, Sakamoto if I said that right he was yeah. kind of post-show the ball and really rounded and uh, Damien Delande just came in like shouldered and again kind of a bit like the, the Bundy one mm-hmm. uh, there was no space to make that clear out the ball was won and he should have just left it to be honest I think it was just do you know when you're you want Monday night Monday reviews and you're thinking oh god if I miss this clear out now that's what I'd say was going through his head again no you know not taken away from it so it was kind of harsh I don't think there was no intention I think he was just trying it there but it is what it is and it was a red card well, at least there is a couple of red cards in there so hopefully um, they're going to get a couple uh, more citations well Manitou Lange will hopefully get cited as well for that and it will kind of start teaching guys a lesson and hopefully some of these guys will miss Six Nations games we don't want that as spectators because it's going to lessen the level of the game but it's going to probably make people look up and listen and be like alright we can't can't keep doing this can't keep no. hitting guys from the nipples up is what I would say Lindsay yeah and man is only he's only back after long term injury like we want to see the world class players playing do yeah. you know what I mean no one's here to try and make people scapegoats but at the at the end of the day referees in the hierarchy you have the decision and listen we've all been there I'm an athlete who has you know someone commented to me on Saturday oh yeah you're giving out about Pia Manny fighting with a pillowcase and you mm-hmm. do the same that's why I can say it so you're this athlete that sees ref missed at times but you know there has to be the laws are there to protect yeah. yourself and others that the same with the committees and the hierarchy and the referees so we kind of all need to be singing off the same hymn sheet you know? Rick, do we want Manitoulagi playing um, to sa- and you're sacrificing Tommaso Allen who is an Italian international and very good player Absolutely. who has a history of concussion who might actually miss Six Nations though because he might actually have to be stood down mm. do you know and you're like oh well, Manu gets to play the Six Nations Tommaso Allen doesn't because he got his head bloody taken off by exactly. you know <laughs> so yeah. you could it that way as well like I mean are we going to sacrifice one player for another no. I don't think so yeah, well, we'll see how all that plays out now. I'm sure World Rugby are flat out this morning uh, reassessing all those. Oh, so. God, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully, we hope they are. And the refs are getting phone calls as well, being like, why didn't you pick that up? But it's nothing really to do with us, but um, we're going to have our comments on it anyway. But moving on to the rugby on the weekend, the URC was on. Connacht had a great win, guys. They played well. They won 24-12 at home against the Sharks. Now, in fairness, the Sharks are missing Etzebeth, Khaleesi, who's after Rassing, Manpipi was missing, and Lucanu Am was missing as well. So it was a depleted Sharks team and it was a freezing cold night over in Galway it looked with sideways <laughs> rain so I can understand why the Shark guys probably weren't up to form but did you watch it Jason? Yeah it was a good game it's a good game um, I watched the second half and then went back and watched the first half then the next day because it was busy enough um, with Rugby Joe but uh, yeah I mean like some good tries that second try that mm. Matt Hansen's chipped through and then onto Farrell and the pass back inside to what's the name again the Colin 10 Ford. 
Yeah, Ford, who's playing, who's playing no. at 12, who's normally at oh, 10. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's back inside to him. And then the third try, again, another, like, just lovely, kind of, lovely hands loop around play out the back. They played some lovely rugby. Some of their offloads were ridiculous, mm. weren't they? Because actually, Sharks' um, defence was kind of, it was nice. It was just that, like, split-second moment. And some of the offloads and their depth, they... they they were good. Um, I want to know though, was Mac Hansen because usually, obviously, that play with the winger coming off the scrum, I was like, was he meant to carry there or did he like? We kind of saw the ten in him, didn't we? With Do you that know what I noticed about Mac Hansen this morning, and I'm absolutely disgusted. He cut his hair. He cut his hair off. Let's and I never really noticed that. No, it's all gone. It's gone. What are you doing, man? Looks like a normal lad now. Yeah, we need him to stay. Right, cheers, Mac. I have to now dry the lad's eyes. Not only a monster, but your hair. Anyone ever grown back with a Six Nations? Too soon. What was he thinking? It's like Samson cutting his hair off, Mac. Let's well, maybe. He might donate for the, the hair that was cut off by Mr. Rory. Well, next year, like, there's no <laughs> way, man. He's, he's gone down to in the shore. Fair, in, in fairness, in fair, like, what was, was the cancer? It was for a cancer society, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? For, no, it was I mean, for Laurelin, the, great, for Laurelin, yeah. the yeah. single greatest mullet in the history of rugby. Yeah. Yes, I've never Murray. seen anything like it. Fair play, Darren fair play Incredible mullet. Great way to cut it off as well. As long as yes, yeah. such a good cause, like you know, uh, chopped it off after the game and raised money for Lauren Lynn, uh, the cancer charity. So, yeah. Dara, you are some man. Brilliant, great stuff. But as you mentioned there, Lindsay, the try scored by Connacht was such nice variance in it. Yeah. So we had the chip from Mac. Yeah. We also had the lovely break with Tina Halloran coming around, which was finished off by Jack Carty in the end. I think that Con- was a loop around player on loop the back. Yeah, the play. Yeah, it was lovely. Connor Oliver had a mall to start off the trying. Yeah. The tries. And Carl Ford had two tries as well. And um, everyone just allowed to see that. Carl Ford was the charge, charge down, down as well. Yeah, so charge down. Great variety in the Connacht play, which seems that they're getting back in form. Big time. Much needed win. Um, the only thing I'd say is like they were miles ahead and then kind of just switched off probably in the last 20 minutes to like... Pull, pull the in the being, bag, you know? Yeah. yeah. Being a bit harsh on them, but I'm only saying that because they're obviously going back into Champions Cup next week with Bre- against Breve and they kind of need just that consistency to build. So I was kind of like, Grant. Now they left Keen Pen- I mean, we're talking about the, the changes for the South African team, but I mean, Keen Pendergast was on the bench. So um, we had no Niall Murray um, either. Darren Murray obviously was there. So there was kind of... Um, no Bundy. No, Bundy. Mm. So there was kind of some nice changes as well. Um, Adam Byrne wasn't there yeah. either on the wing. It's so. interesting to see a Kyle Ford playing at 12 when he'd usually be a 10. I think he's t- 10 by trade, yeah, he isn't is he? 10 by trade. Played at 12, got two tries and man of the match and he wouldn't even come into the conversation as a centre for Ireland but he had a great game didn't he Jason? No, nah, he did in fairness I said like you know Connacht as we, as we said time and time again I've got an excellent squad they really do have a really do, good yeah. squad they're just lacking in that consistency do you know I mean it was a much needed win I, yeah. I think you know Connacht could push on maybe they can get that top eight position hopefully not out of Munster <laughs> 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 Probability but, says but, Munster ahead. Yeah, but no, but it's good to see Connacht playing well. It's good to see him home, and especially coming to the Six Nations. Like you want to see these Irish guys playing. Um, probably a couple of Connacht guys there. You see, might get a call up. You know, I like Tom Farrell. I thought Tom he was Farrell, exceptional yeah. against uh, Leinster. Tough as well. position to break into. Though. Oh, listen, it's <laughs> kind of like the ten. Now we've like a list of centres. Yeah. We had none for ages, and now we've like this yeah. long list. You know, yeah. but um, yeah. no. Do you know what? I'd like to see him in camp, though. Yeah, I was like, he, he generally likes to. He generally likes to bring in maybe five to ten players. That Kind of train John Hodness as well we'll go into that maybe John Hodness yeah we'll get into that like to Kendall and stuff yeah. like that like, like, no, you're saying, guys you think in. Tom Farrell would be pulled into the Six Nations squad maybe into train with the squad like, I mean, no I think to just, train no I don't think he'd play but I yeah. think 
you know, just a bit like Cian Prendergast, kind of get him in, blood him, just see what the... Like a bit like Little Leinster, like obviously Jimmy told us they have three teams and it just means lads get reps and get in good mm. position where if you're kind of really restricting your squad, you know yourself, you're just kind of in and out, just changing. Whereas at least with three teams, you get more yeah. more reps in, more lads getting exposed. Yeah, and team, I think... The with Tom Farrell, he's not a young fella. Like he's been around donkeys. Yeah. He's 29. Like he's been performing for ages. And you think he's... What, he was he's in, he was in the Ireland squad for a while. I remember hearing that he got injured. Like he's been in a few training squads around like, but he's a good player to keep he's an class he's yeah, a very good player like, and he's, he's very just consistent. been consistent out the minute and I yeah. just think yeah he's just all of a sudden obviously with confidence and um, sure who's he keeping out at the minute um, he used to play for Leinster oh god his name is eluding me now at the minute but um, yeah I just think look at the end of the day if people are performing they should Tom be Daly. Tom Daly Tom Daly yeah sorry yeah, Tom Day, another unbelievable player. So yeah, you're right, Jason. Connacht have a great squad and they got a good game together there now. Um, and they're up to 11th in the URC table. So yeah. good stuff, Connacht. You're pulling it together towards uh, the middle part of the season. So we're proud of you. Um, proud of you, boy. We are proud of you. And <laughs> something that uh, was very interesting to watch in the weekend from the URC games because it wasn't the most exciting weekend, no. but it was when Leinster... We're getting uh, a bit, a bit shaky <laughs> over yeah, Hold on, I just probably, this is the way you two boys were now. I know. Yeah. First, first loss of the season, and then we come up Trump's 13th and 13th. You're <laughs> well, welcome. First, they were against Ospreys away, and Ospreys lost at home. So it was 24-19 to Leinster. But for the first, like, 10-15 minutes, Ospreys were all over them. Nearly first, lost to a Welsh team. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Joe, oh, me first time, I watched that game from start to finish. <laughs> I'd say I have more wrinkles now, and I was like, this just, like... Yeah. Oh, I was how the telly didn't get lettered with the remote control was ridiculous. <laughs> but this is the thing, right? The expectation of of me as a fan for Leinster is ridiculous because it is a much needed grind out hard work win. Like uh, Osprey's targeted our breakdown. They got so many turnovers. Did a lot of our Welsh um like uh Tipperick was exceptional. They did um, well in the scrums oh, at Osprey's. I was sitting there going, oh my God, I've been in scrums where you're absolutely being demolished. It's demoralizing, your confidence goes, and I just watch it capitulate. And I was trying to figure out, other than Alatoa being very extended, uh, which obviously pressure from back and front, if you're hyperextended in the scrum, like you're just not going to hold it. Mm, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you the question, Lindsay, because you're the only really resident front row in here. Yeah. Um, would Leinster scrum be a target for teams or was it just a selection by Leinster? Not usually, to be fair. Um, it's kind of reminded me of that time when Dan Sheehan had only come into Ireland and England targeted our scrum. Yeah. And um, yeah. Well, technically, Ellis Kane targeted illegally, but if you look Listen, back. <laughs> he did. He was so angled. He, like. he was so angled. But the thing about it is, right, you're painting these good pictures. Oh, and yeah. obviously, then Ospreys got in the head of the referee and painted some good pictures. So all the time when you're getting these 50 50s. Now, I don't think it was t- till the second half, till eventually. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. The Welsh uh, toy head got got pinged for for collapsing. Was the it Francis was pinned? Was Francis pinned? Yeah, yeah Thomas Francis. Yeah. Thomas Francis. Yeah, that's uh, He actually had a really good game. So they did a good like when you look back as well. In fairness, like I mean, Alvin Jones was playing, Tipperidge playing, Francis playing. They had some of their big Welsh boys. Out. Yeah, they did. So it wasn't a, a, de- a depleted. It was a good Osprey squad, and it was a fairly depleted Leinster squad. There wasn't too many internationals in there. A lot of young guys playing. A lot, so, a lot of young guys. You, you know, give them a bit of credit. The fact that they still went, they still came away from Wales with a team with had the likes of Alvin Jones and Tipperidge, as we said, yeah. with a win. 
Do you know? Yeah. Like it was a dirty night. Hugo Keenan, like, you know, those nights where like you expect Hugo to like just kill it, you know, he just gathers all these high balls and he kind of had those, you know, they were slipping, they were knocking on. Yeah. It was just kind of a night. And to be honest, I have to be testament to, you know, they won dirty. It was a great away win. You said there at the start there that it was a, it was a good match for Leinster and they would probably would have learned a lot from it because lot, they had yeah. the grind. They were losing. Their mm. scrum was getting beaten. They're on the back foot. They didn't have all the top fellas playing no. and they would have had to like rally the troops and get a good win away from home on a yeah. cold exactly. January in Ospreys. Like, yeah. That's going to send to the morning going out and hocking them 14 nil. Which is annoying because Leinster are probably going to be better now off the back. <laughs> I know, I know. But look, as we said, like you said, it wasn't the best weekend in rugby. Like, we have to look back on the weather in UK and Ireland. Yeah. Wasn't great over the weekend. There was no fancy rugby being played. Like, there was just winds being grinded out across the board. Yeah. Because there were some, like, horrific... I was out at a match myself on Saturday, like, in a, a lower league uh, amateur match. that, And, like, the... The rain coming down, it was sideways, the wind, oh and you're like, I'm like, I'm glad I'm not out there anyway, <laughs> <laughs> standing on the wind, the night freezing. You're happy not to be <laughs> so it's, it's tough, you know, you know yourself, trying to play a match in that weather is... So it is, but just, the, the weather didn't seem to stop Dan Sheehan because he plucked the ball out of the air and burst through two guys to score his eighth try of the season. He's the only person, um, the only person ahead of him is Darcy Graham, who's a winger, dancing winger, Jeez. to score for tries in the URC. I think Tom Stewart is just behind him as a hooker, um, if I'm not mistaken, seven tries. Um, Dan Sheehan is a human though, as we've already well, like Dan Sheehan's a hooker, like, and he scored eight tries so far. Listen, he, the boy's having a season. And he doesn't even start all the time for Leinster. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah, but it keeps him hungry, doesn't exactly, it? Exactly, but that's it. it. I think he's hungry now because oh, he's Competition <laughs> with Kelleher back, so I I'm loving that battle between the two of them. It's unbelievable. Kind of another list of hookers. Like we're talking about centers, we're talking about tens. Like Ireland hooker now. Like well, but look at the like, Ireland hooker, Lens hooker. You've got two of the best hookers in Europe in the same bloody team. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Like and the bite the two of those guys must have. Like because if you were to if you were to pick a Lions team in the morning, the two of them would be in contention <laughs> for a Lions team. Yeah. That's how good they are. So you've got these guys battling for. There's only one hooker jersey for Leinster, Ireland, and then like it could be a Lions one. Up two years time as well because Keller was in the last line squad. Like, yep. do you know he got called up? And if you were to pick one now, like Dan Sheehan would be ahead of him. So he could, I 100 <laughs> pick both of them over Cowan Dickey, who yeah. who starts for England. Like, I, I can't even think of anyone else. You'd have, you'd have to do the two boys. Are, being two line, if, you, if you named the line squad, more, you'd have the two boys in there as yeah. two or three hookers more than likely. Yeah, which we is are a little bit biased, like, but yeah. Nah, you know, be like let's call a spade a spade. Like, you probably would like. Yeah, they really are the class. Well, Malcolm Marx comes to Monsters won't be so biased. Well, but anyway, we'll move on to that. Oh, here we go. Malcolm Marx has been supposedly offered a sizable contract to come to Munster after yes, the please. Wo- after the World Cup which would be incredible yes, you know what you just need that please. bit of character don't you because since O'Connell and O'Gar and he Jerry is Flannery he is lo- he's actually a mutant of a man he's not human mm. he is like absolutely unbelievable like I mean I'm pretty sure he made World Rugby Team of the Year and he's and he's, he, on, he's on the bench for box, yeah because he just comes on and just yeah. runs Tears people apart. So he gets 40 like fifteen minutes. minutes a game, and he's been like the world team. <laughs> at least they had <laughs> rationale that's behind, wasn't it? Because he just he's just one of them lads who come off the bench. Like the NBA get paid, you know, the sixth man is the highest paid uh, mm. player, and that's he's kind of that. NBA version yeah. of six months. I, t- I, I don't think that if, if Munster bought him over now, I don't think he'd be sitting on the bench. No, he won't be sitting on the bench for Munster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine that lads could be trophies back down south. <laughs> if, we can, if we can just get a tight head now as well. Yeah, there that's one step at a time, hon. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get on to the Monster game and talk more about that, we just want to give a shout out to our very own Jimmy O'Brien, who scored the try of the weekend, I think, in my opinion. Last three Class defenders beaten. Yeah, London. line break, dummy straight in. Great. Um, you could hear him cheering at the end as well. It meant a lot to him because yeah. Leinster were struggling at that time. That was the winning try at the end. We think about it, yeah. So well, and he got Jimmy. very little ball, to be honest. So when he was called upon, he, and he was on the wing that time. So yep. he decided to play in the wing for Fair that match. Him. <laughs> Fair play to him. <laughs> and a little kind of. Um, 
a funny point from the weekend was Leo Cullen was spotted at Welford Road for the Leicester Tigers game, which obviously started people murmuring, is he going to go from Leinster to Leicester? Oh. What's the story? Oh, if you to be worried. Oh, you don't think, maybe you're just over He's got close ties with Leicester, but you can look at that both ways. The fact he that plays for, he that's plays for Leicester. He plays for, yeah, you you yeah, can yeah. go, oh, maybe he's just over visiting friends. Yeah. But like, it's also kind of funny that he's over there just as Bortwick has, has left. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you could have picked a better a better weekend to call over. Maybe he had this booked and planned yeah. weeks but weeks ago. And he was like, oh, I'm going over now. I'm off this weekend. I'm going to go over. Could have been the delayed Christmas party with his Leicester teammates from I back don't in know. the day. Nah, so, we're going to stick to the conspiracy <laughs> yeah, theory. Let's just start the to churn. He sold his house sure, in Dublin as well. Yeah, I heard you, Bob. <laughs> 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 yeah, the house is sold. Lancaster's <laughs> off the racing. Yeah, so we don't know. Yeah, Scott Robertson space. coming in next year, maybe. Come here. Take I'd, Scott Robertson, I'll tell you what. Well, I'd say if one is going to go, I would think, to be honest, probably you're going to freshen everything up, maybe. Who knows? Surely Leo Cullen's not going to go anywhere. He's young kids. He's a family in Leinster he's Leinster true and true he's in the best team in Europe probably like if he went over there it would just be more just of a challenge just pressure on him maybe he'd come on as a guest and uh, yeah. answer these questions <laughs> come on uh, Leo anyways on to our beloved Munster Jason they were at home in Musgrave Park and smashed the Lions 33-3 yep uh Ben Healy got a little run out at the start yeah. for the reasons that is very upsetting for mm-hmm. us that he's leaving to go to Edinburgh and everyone's saying it's because he's now declared for Scotland and he wants to play for Scotland in the upcoming World Cup because he can't really get into the Irish team yeah. um, and he's fallen out of favour in Munster as well but funnily enough he's been starting the last couple of games or played in the last couple of games yeah. but what do you make of all that? Uh, look, I, I back his decision to be honest with you I think he's going to be a massive loss to Munster Really big loss. I think he's probably our best kicker. I think he's a fantastic 10. I think we'll really miss him. I think they tried hard to keep him. But like, I wouldn't have any bad feelings from going. I think he's an opportunity to go over to Scotland now to play international rugby. Um, there was a great piece in the Irish Times where we can buy uh, Dutton Casey wrote a lovely piece in it, kind of saying like, when your stock is high and when you have that opportunity, a lot of guys don't. They don't take the chance and they kind of just kind of, they're happy to stick around being <coughs> a, a second, third or fourth choice and get their contract and go, I play for Munster. And like he was saying, he had offers with France, like back when he had that good run with the, when he was in the Heineken Cup team and he was doing well. And then he turned it down and then he ended up getting injured. And then over the next three years, he only played six times for Munster, yeah. having played like 40 games in two years before that or whatever it was. Mm. And like, you know, this is his chance to go. I mean, Crowley's after coming onto the scene now. Carberry's ahead of him. There's not much chance of him getting into that Ireland squad. He can go over to Scotland now. It's his and it's it's his mother who's Scottish. It's not like he's have to find in some second or third uh, cousins, yeah. uncles, grannies who's related to Scotland. It's his mother who's Scottish. He probably has lots of Scottish family. He's going to go over there. Edinburgh, a good side, competing high in the URC. Yeah, they do, man. And there's like with with uh, who's who's this injured at the moment, Pat? Um, Hastings. Oh, Adam Hastings not injured at the moment. Player Kinghorn is a 15 who plays 10. You know, so that he could be in the Six Nations for Scotland next month. <laughs> well, you, can, you can't blame him, can you? Because no. we, we kind of see it. Obviously, it's a sport for us. But at the end of the day, the lads have to look at the job side of it. Do you know, yeah. and if you want to, you know, move up the ladder in your career, you'd make that move. Do you know what I mean? If it was something. And look, it's sad to see him go. I'm obviously uh, Leinster true and true. But, you know, he has been exceptional for Munster when he's come in and when he's been called upon. Um, so it'd be nice to probably for him just to be rewarded with a run. And, and if he got an opportunity to international, you can't really begrudge him that, can mm. you? Yeah, well, as the people are kind of giving out that the IRFU let him go and we should have held on to him. But if you look at it, he didn't even make the Emerging Ireland tour down to yeah. South Africa. And yeah. if you're not making that and you haven't even been called in for like a training session into the Andy Farrell squad, you're probably not in the plans for a while. And he's third choice in Munster for sure behind mm. Carberry and Crowley. And that's not 
saying he's a bad player. No. He's just fallen out of favour a little bit and there's too many people there. But the issue is, if you kind of look into the future now, what if, God forbid, one of the boys, Carby or Crowley, gets injured and there's a European Cup game yeah. and it's a semi-final away and what then one of the boys gets hurt and yeah. then who's playing 10? Like, we're going to get someone from the academy. I think what they're doing there now at the moment, what I heard it during the week, was apparently they're bringing Jack Fannery back from Ulster. Okay. So apparently that's a funny one because he was let go last year because he was too far around the pecking order and he went to Ulster but he's now only Ulster, a year in Ulster yeah. so he's only a year in Ulster so now apparently they're going to bring us, about this he's only action. 19 or 20 is he? he's yeah. 20 isn't he's he? young Kids. 20s yeah. very, he's very young. very very young so there's talks of bringing him back because I, I think even with him coming back I don't know if we have another 10 coming up in the academy I'm not privy to what's going on there but yeah, Crowley's been used a lot at 12 at the moment mm. so like there's games there where we might have Carberry at 10, 12 are we going to go back relying on like Rory Scanlon as a backup 10 or I still think you need another 10 in there, to be honest you, with you. I think you need three operating 10s yeah, in the squad do, in case one gets injured because you yeah. always need two in every yeah. match day squad. Yeah. So now there's no obvious third choice 10 in Munster anymore, yeah, which is an one. issue for Munster. So I don't know. There must be something going on. It must be that Jake Flannery thing because you can't be going into European Cups and mm. stuff no. not having a third choice I 10. I thought Jake Flannery was a winger. What did I think that? No, he's a 10. Well, he plays 15 as well. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, so it's kind of not a great uh, move for Munster, but they tried to keep him by all accounts. Yeah. Um, but the thing is for Ben Healy, I can see it, as you said there, Jason, you know, Lindsay, is playing as a professional rugby player. You're lucky if you get 10 years. Yeah. Like very lucky. It's a very small career and you have to go where the money is. You have to build your career and it doesn't look like he's getting anywhere near the Irish team anytime yeah. soon. So it's fair enough. He probably will play for Scotland very soon. It could happen that Ireland play Scotland in the World Cup. Could you imagine that? John Cooney, John Cooney at nine, nine and Ben Healy at 10. Oh. John Cooney's declared as well. Imagine um, that. God, you couldn't write it, let's. But Imagine that Scotland knocked Ireland out of the World Cup with. Uh, ben Healy kicks, kicks the penalty. Yeah. Kind of that one that Benetton, like the Benetton one that finished on no, the If it gets to a stage in the World Cup where Scotland are starting Ben Healy and John Cooney, it actually is a good situation for Ireland because yeah. it means Scotland are in a bad place because they're playing these guys who've just come in. Like, yeah, it's going to be Ali Price and Finn Russell, really. Will, like, like, you yeah. know, unless, but, but, you know, what if they get injuries? Yeah. No. But I, if I was in the shoes of Healy or or John Cooney, I'm like, totally fair enough, man. Go do your thing. Yeah. Go get your yeah. contract. Like, take the bias out of it and the, the patriotism out of it the lads are just following their careers and 100%. trying to do the best for themselves and John Cooney had, like you know he had obviously a bit of a dip in form uh, towards the end of last year but to be honest his move to Ulster really ignited his John career Cooney's a class nine, and imagine him with Finn Russell yeah. you know they're so unpredictable and you know they're, they're not afraid to play I mean mm. the, the worst thing in a rugby is you know when a team is keep offloading and moving back and you can't mm. set up your defensive mm. line you're like oh god <laughs> when is this going to stop you know yeah so I'm actually happy for Ben Healy in the sense that I went over to do a fit series with World Rugby yeah. and we um, went to Edinburgh and I was in and around their squad and their training pitches and stuff and there's such a nice group of lads there he's going to slot straight in and have a great crack and Edinburgh is a good city as well it's a class city it's absolutely yeah. brilliant city remember when I missed the show last year and I ended up getting stranded over in, in Newcastle and I had to get a train to Scotland I just went to Edinburgh for the day on my own Like, and I've been there a few times Like, and even just walking around on my own stranded there I was like this is such a cool city you get there on the Christmas markets and stuff and yeah. it's just it's a real cool place like, to go. Yeah, I'm a Limerick man, so are you, Jason, but 
Edinburgh is a bit more crack, I think. <laughs> we should bring, we'll bring the show to Edinburgh for uh, Ben Healy's debut. Yeah, yeah Ben, man, debut. bring us over. We'll come over and interview over there. We're big fans <laughs> here. Um, sorry, we can talk about that all day, but let's actually just talk about the game pretty quickly. So, uh, Munster won 33-3 against the Lions, as I said, and it was a, it was a good performance. Did you watch it, Lindsay? You did? I did. Um, do you know what? Nice to see some nice changes. Kandelam was in there. Jack who was in there. He captained the squad, got a try. The night was absolutely miserable. Right. Yeah. I was like, is that sleet or yeah. rain? It's what always is it? wetter in Cork for some reason. Oh, I don't know why. The rain comes down harder in Cork. Yeah. I mean, no. your, <laughs> man, your man that you, you picked off for us last year, Scott Buckley, came on or played and had two tries. Yeah, I, I don't know what the story with his with him this year because I've been clamouring all year and I've been clamouring last year as well. I don't know if he hasn't been fit or if he's been injured mm. or if Rowntree just doesn't really want to give him a chance yet because he's so young. But like, I think like anytime he came in, I remember he came in last year against Wasps and like, he hit was a 12 out of 12 lineups yeah. and he was one of the best players. He scored a shot. He got man of the match. Came on there with three minutes on the three minutes gone. He well, watched him. Who started? The Baron started. Went off injured. He had to come on, score two tries. He's only twenty two years of age. Yeah. Like the rest of our hookers haven't been performing this year at all, at all, at all. Like so, I don't see why he hasn't been given more game time. Maybe this will be a. a this, this, this is a kickstart for him, like, and we we'll get to see him play because I think he's a, he's a, a fantastic athlete, a great player. Yep. He's still a bit green. You saw he, he threw a mess up on the line towards the end, like, but overall, his throwing was better than what we've seen from the other hookers this year. Yeah. And he got two tries as well. And I think he's a great player, and I'd like to see more of him in Munster because it's a problem area for us, which is why we're looking at bringing in Malcolm Marx. Exactly. Well, yeah, you need consistency in your throwing, and, and especially when Munster relies so much on their mall and their line yeah. out setup. So I think, yeah, yeah. give him enough. Give him a chance. What we have Niles Scanlon. Dermot Barron yeah. Scott Buckley are probably their three yeah. hookers yeah. like all of them are decent players but none of them are like world beaters like a Heffernan or a Sheehan yeah. so maybe Malcolm Marks coming in would be that kind of like star player because we haven't really had a star hooker since Jerry Flannery no. as producer Pat like is a Scott big Buckley fan of Jerry Flannery learn off Malcolm Marks <laughs> you took the words right Emma <laughs> the, I mean? the big thing we don't always look at or somebody who isn't in the environment is that Malcolm Marks is the player he is and he's world class but what he'll do for the young players around him and bring mm. up their level yeah. is he's going to be like in Scott Buckley's only 22 so oh. bring Mark, Mark Marks in for three or four years Incredible. what he's going to do and, oh, you know, and you need, yeah and you need like you you always need two to three hookers like yeah. so it's not like Malcolm Marks comes in and plays every single game and Scott Boyd doesn't play Scott Boyd's going to get plenty of games yeah. but he's going to get to train and play alongside Malcolm Marks and what that could do for that young fella is be a great sign just to, just to give those guys Dimmer Barron and Scott Buckley some one-on-one coaching yeah. there would be unreal so hopefully we get him over after the World Cup uh, but also Liam Coombs was on the wing for Munster a great score what a try what a try Counter-attack, did the whole thing himself. He gathered, yeah, gathered a, a, an exit kick and he just, yeah, tucked it under the arm, bit of footwork yeah. and off he went under the post. It was a great try. And that's Incredible. what I'm lo- loving about Munster. A, Graham, Graham Roundtree and his team aren't afraid to actually rotate players and give players, so we're seeing that now, Leinster S, I suppose, trying to deepen that squad. And also your tries, the variance between your tries, like Paddy Patterson just sniping, like he's starting to use his brain and, and attack what's in front of him. Mm. Liam Coons with a great try and then obviously we saw the mall, mall tries as well. So it's it's lovely the variation and what Munster can bring now to, to opposition. So. It, it was always going to take time. People forget Absolutely. that as well. We, I know we, we waited for long enough with Larkham to implement his game plan and it just never came. But <laughs> it's, still <laughs> we in three, it's, it's still in the balls, balls Larkham's <laughs> game plan. But like when you look at like I, I was kind of thinking there over the so when we started off with, with Leamy and and uh, and Roundtree coming in and I'm much forgetting his name now. <laughs> uh, Mike. Uh, Mike uh, Prendergast. Prendergast yeah. So it, it took time, right? You can slowly see now that this game plan that they're trying to play is starting to come to fruition. You know, we're, we're not relying on bloody uh, my pal Van Grand's old big forwards kick the ball in the air 
absolute nonsense. They're actually looking to play a bit of rugby. And if you look back, no, I'm not comparing us to that level, but if you look back a couple of years ago when Andy Farrell first came into Ireland, like there was, there was people were calling for his head because we weren't playing good rugby, but you could see what they were trying, trying to, to do, do yeah. but it just wasn't working. It, just, it took time and then all of a sudden it burst onto the scene then a few months later and it's like, oh, the, all these all these passes are sticking. Oh, all these moves are working. Oh, oh my God, everything mm. is... And, and now we're bloody number one in the world. We beat New Zealand in the summer. We're unbeaten, beat the world champions. Like These game plans take time. You know playing rugby. You can't just oh, come can't. in. I mean, you can implement... That's why you see the overturn in, in soccer and managers. You can implement a, a plan into a team in a soccer pitch very quickly. Mm. Rugby is such a complex sport. You guys come in, you've got a whole new set of lineup moves. You've got a whole new way of scrummaging. You've got a whole new way... You've got 10 new backline moves. You've got yeah, all this. It takes time and then the players... Have have to come in and slot in and understand okay this is your job this is what you do here the team changes every week yeah. it's very hard so they're getting to that stage now and maybe they will kick on from this like they're not going to kick on to Leinster levels for a long but time but they'll get there That's all we want to go is just keep going up instead of going sideways or downwards like we did with Van Gran and Larkin yeah. for three years mm. you know in the game of rugby you have to square up and go forward <laughs> yeah, you said it there <laughs> Lindsay you said Leinster-esque which is kind of true in the sense that like Kelvin Nash played for a few weeks I think he's on a break now he played really well Liam Coombs comes in yeah. plays really well we moved Gavin Coombs then who's his cousin funny enough into the second round played really well so interchange and everyone's doing really well and there's yeah. like good depth in Munster like we haven't even mentioned like Andrew Conway Simon Zeebo come back soon yeah those guys like yeah. are still to come Keith back Aarons, in yeah. Conor Murray was on the bench um, which is great Craig Casey he's Ty off Burns on, on holidays, holidays yeah. yeah so Ty <laughs> Burns so well done Munster you're looking good 33 trees a great win against Lions but just a shout out as well actually before we move on to Holly Davidson in that match a lot of people were saying yeah, that she to me excellent. she was excellent in that yeah. game just like it's such a breath of fresh air to see a referee who isn't fond of the whistle yes. and just let them play I couldn't believe the first 20 minutes I was like tries a penalty or again she's just letting them play this is fantastic that's yeah. what they good referees and I think it? yeah that's it like they shouldn't be fond of whistle I think she's taken over is it the first all female um, uh, panel for a Challenge Cup game yeah. next week? I can't remember, I'm not sure which game it is, but uh, do you know, she's, she's a fantastic hard. referee, really good referee. She's really built in confidence. I've had the pleasure of Holly. Um, I'm normally on the wrong side when I what's new, <laughs> but um, to be honest, she's really come up and she got the World Cup final, if memory serves me right, this year and for the, the Women's World, World Cup, Cup final yeah. and well. the Sevens World Cup. Um, so she's just on an upward trajectory, her confidence and, and the exposure to game. She's just improving every game. Yeah. So fair play, Holly. She's class. And there's I, some season refs I could learn from her, like to, to you know, not be fond of your whistle. took the words out of my mouth, Jason. I See? was just going to say, Wayne Barnes could have a look at Holly. <laughs> Let the game play. Don't make it about you. Yeah. So Holly, well done. You're leading the charge. We love you here. We'll get you on for a chat, hopefully, at some stage. Uh, Ulster, lads. They've lost another game. I think that's five games out of six they've lost now in the last couple of weeks. They lost away to Benetton, 31-29. Now, in fairness, Benetton is a tough place to go now in the last couple of seasons. They're not the team they used to be. They're not walkovers. But... They had a good win, like, and they and they beat Ulster fair and square. Did you did you see it at all? Lindsay? I thought some like we said there wasn't anything major to light up, but that game, um, Benetton played some absolutely lovely rugby. They kept the ball alive. Mm. They kept moving the ball. When your number eight does a kind of. I don't know. Crossfield kick. Crossfield kick to your winger. It was a savage you just try. No, it was a savage <laughs> try. It's not going to be your day. And I think, to be honest, I'm not going to kind of take the rug from under Ulster. I think Benetton really were deserving of their win. Look on the last last penalty, but at the end of the day, I think um, they were down to 14 men. They managed the game well. They kept the ball in hand. They looked for that penalty and, and they, they won. And I think Leinster 
if memory serves me right, just got away with a win at skin their teeth, gone mm. away to Benton. So it's not an easy place to go, but I think they were deserving of their win with some of the rugby they, they were, played. And they were actually down to 14 men, I think, Benetton, when they had to get the last penalty mm-hmm. there. So Benetton are doing very well. The tough yeah. kick as well, was it 45 being out for Reno Smith? The yes. kick like it wasn't an easy right. And it was Smith, right yeah. on, you know, as you look at it, right foot kicker over on the right um, yeah. touchline. So, uh, yeah. I thought, so I thought the thing about Ulster lads is that they, they do this every season. Do you know what I mean? They, they have a dip, like, and it always happens. I'm like, remember we were talking to Darren about that last year, and it always happens when it gets to the important games. And they, they started the season so well, they were going out absolutely baiting everyone. I was like, Jesus, this is the year now. Also, really look good. Well, I think and they've gone down to six, have they? Fifty no, six they're after into four, but like. They've, they've, it's not the first time this has happened Ulster and I'd love to know what it is is it a mentality thing that they're yeah, but we, we said it at the start of the season we're like she's Ulster in second they're chasing down Leinster they could do it and now we're like oh they're slipping down that board very quickly they're down into fourth as we were saying there and it's all happened since that Leinster game in RDS they haven't got back into form since then it just got over Connacht at Christmas time barely mm-hmm. but like I was thinking as I was watching Benetton scoring tries going down the wing and stuff I was like it must be a dressing room issue or something in Ulster I have to agree with you because one of Ben Benetton's try, uh, they had no, actually no right to score. It, it kind of came within, say, inside the, the 10 metre, uh, Ulster's 10 metre. And uh, I think it was Billy Burns missed the tackle. But like... They were scrapping or something in Ulster. Um, I don't know what happened, but Ulster yeah. had numbers up. And, and it was like, yeah, they just, it was a poor try. It was a weak try to give away. And I thought in that split moment, I was like, something's not right here. And Mentally, their heads went down and stuff. Did down. you see? I know what it says as well. I was yeah. like, what's going on with these Ulster oh, guys? Mentality thing. Yeah. Is it? And I know Dan McFarland, he's like, he's a, He's a good guy. He's done a great job there, but like he's publicly kind of had a go with them a couple of times, and I'm kind of thinking, right, has yeah, that had an impact? Maybe. I mean, the team they put out was still a great team. It's still a great oh, team. Yeah. Well, Dan McFarlane is under a lot of pressure now, and there's kind of talks on social media and stuff about Mark McCall to get him back from Saracens, but why would he bother his arse, to be honest? Jemmer. Jeremy Davidson taking over or even some Ulster fans are calling for the old boss Brian McLaughlin to come back who got them to the 2012 Heineken Cup final mm. any insight into that Jason? No I haven't heard much of it like, but I mean Stuart McCall would be fantastic like, but I mean Saracens are 14 points clear at the top of Premiership at the moment and still in Europe I mean I just don't see him leaving Saracens but I don't know he's there a long time he would be a huge I mean, I'd love to see him back in Irish rugby in general I just think he'd be great for the game mm. But um, I don't know. I mean, I still like I, I do rate Anne McFarlane. I do. I think maybe you're upon a, it's it's you're being a little it's bit, a bit hasty early, there. Like, yeah, yeah, you're being a little yeah, bit hasty yeah. there. Like I mean, just throw fourth in the table. Like, I mean, come I on. Yeah. I think they just need to have like instead of a train session, maybe go for a couple of points, just lay it all out on the table and just reset again. I think. Look, we have a blip, and they have like they're away to La Rochelle. Am I right next week? For That's the, the thing. They don't have easy games coming up. Like, no, but I think yeah. this could be the defining moment to just like imagine a way when they're and I know they got a big win last weekend against. Toulouse was it which they got mm-hmm. their monkey off the back and they're moving up the table so look this is the thing about European Cup you know it's like the FA Cup it's like any could be out though, so yeah. it's easier said than I'm going over beating La Rochelle in France like you know well <laughs> Irish teams back against the wall yeah you know, it's true yeah well if they've done it before they did it, they did it a few seasons back against Clermont when they got that bonus mm-hmm. point try like where they had to win it like so you never know. I, w- I wouldn't against them. No. no, but I think, yeah, like you said, ever since that Leinster game, it's kind of just been like downward mm. slide. And look, we wish them the best, but something's got to change for them now. So. Yeah, well, there's no EGMs needed just yet up in Kingspan because they're still sitting fourth in the URC table. Yeah. Like, so they're doing okay. They're seven wins from 11. So it's actually decent enough. Like, so it's not that bad. We're just high expectations. It's, yeah. 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 it's yeah. just recent weeks. It's, it's just where they yeah. came from. They're yeah. coming down. But so I think they'll be all right. Like, Munster sitting in seventh uh, below Benetton. 
Benetton. Benetton are in sixth, which is amazing for them. Like so, they did go against a good team down yeah. in Italy. There, in fairness to them. Um, so we're moving on now. That's all the provinces done for that weekend. And another uh, thing we want to talk about, Lindsay, your um, expertise is the women's interpros. Yes, myself and Barra went along on Saturday to Energy. We had the pleasure of seeing uh, Leinster open up their campaign with a win against Connacht. So. Um, Connacht brought a good battle, to be honest. Uh, they made it frustrating for Leinster, um, but Leinster came away 38-10 winners and uh, Jenny Murphy got two tries, I think. She wanted the third, but she didn't get it. Um, <laughs> but she's back to her best. And probably if I'm, if I'm probably, it'd be harsh because it's kind of like the men's, there was an expectation there and seeing some of the phases they put through and some of the play, they just kind of shot themselves in the foot and they kind of settled once they got a, once Ella Roberts got the try, I think the first try for Leinster. So she played fullback, a, a good Wicklow product, a product of Wicklow um, rugby there along with Josh van der Fleur, or Fleur. So it was kind of a tick of the box, but I tell you, that I'm excited to see uh, the battle this weekend in Musgrave Park. I think that's who's hosting uh, Munster will host uh, Leinster and there'll be some great battles there. Jenny Murphy against Enya Breen, uh, Aoife Dalton against, um, oh, seriously, I can't remember her second name, uh, Aoife Doyle on the wing against... Um, who played in the wing for Leinster? Uh, you're having a shocker at names today, Lindsay. Oh, jeez, I am. Do you yeah. know, Monday, Monday morning. morning. I've only yeah. had two coffees. But Munster versus Leinster, yeah. The coming up, there'll be a big game because Munster yeah. beat Ulster 34 0 um, at Musgrave Park and Leinster obviously beat Connacht 38 10. So Munster and Leinster are obviously the two dominant forces yeah. in yeah, the Ulster had a good squad. I just think, to be honest, they looked it didn't look like they had cohesion. Their tackling was shocking. Um, you know, Dervil and Nicobard had a great game at eight and then moved to a hooker for Munster when Chloe Pierce came on at eight in the second half. So, um, like, no, Munster are flush with some, ex- like, hugely experienced internationals and ex-internationals and have been around a long time. But Ulster still had some big, big names and they just didn't perform, in my opinion. So, okay. but I think the winner of this weekend against Munster Leinster will be the winner of the Interpros. I hope mm-hmm. I'm not being prejudiced against Connacht and Ulster. But um, I said, there are four great teams. It's great to see on TG Carr. There's some exceptional talent. Anna O'Brien had her first start at 10 for Leinster and she's kind of putting pressure on. Nicole Fowley had a great game for 10. At, at she had a fabulous crossfield kick for Connacht Troy. So um, there were some exceptional performances and, and I think the, it bodes well and puts a bit of pressure on probably Greg McWilliams to pick his squad for the Six Nations with so many players mm-hmm. performing. That's what you want. That's yeah. one other question mm-hmm. I want to ask you before we move on about these women's interpros. How good is that in order to make the Irish women's team better? Is it really going to help these guys, these girls playing each other week in, week out? I don't think so. But um, as far as I'm aware, there's going to be a Celtic club, Celtic Cup team pick chosen from these interpros. So yeah, it'll yeah. be players from this team and they'll play against Welsh and Scotland teams. Yeah. So um, it's kind of now a step, a bridging, I suppose, to get players from the interpros um, get them exposed to more international standard players and different players um, and try to develop that way so it's a good we're not there fully in how we align the club it was probably the first time I struggled being missing from that environment since I retired from international rugby um, because obviously we finished the AIL at Christmas and you kind of feel for a lot of players there's this grey area and being obsolete you know where mm. there's still a lot there to give to the game so we will get there but for now I think it's a nice step on um, bridging gap between the interpros which kind of sometimes you kind of question all the time what's their relevance um, and then they'll go we'll choose, choose a team and we'll go play in a kind of international club stage so we're trying to progress it on similar to the kind of URC it'll never get there right now with the player pool that we have but at least it's a step in the right direction yeah, okay. so it'll be interesting to see how those games go and what players are selected um, 
and kind of probably will bring in the argument do we get Irish players who will get exposed in Six Nations or yeah. do we try and blood new players on international level okay guys we want to move on to the Jake Heenan interview our very own Pat caught up with him as part of the Rugby Joes a season with series so have a listen to this so I moved over here off the back of a shoulder surgery so I didn't play at all my last season I played a handful of games last mm. season um, and then mate, that, that season uh, my shoulder actually struggled struggled quite a bit my, this was my left shoulder so my right one was the one I had three surgeries on my left one was at me and first thing Pat did was well the team did was put me with the injured group and gave me a couple of months just to kind of build that up you know what I mean so I wasn't chucked in the deep end I made my prem debut in February, I think, that season. You know what I mean? Which was, yeah. which wasn't what I had anticipated. It wasn't how I'd set my. You know what I mean? I'd kind of set myself to come in and and crack into it. Um, and then I think the other thing here is it's been very competitive for for positions. You know what I mean? Like there's there's so many good players. Um, you know, it's very hard to stay the number yeah. one seven for for as long, but you know this the the quality in the squad. So which what I think I found at Connacht, um, I I think I played 70, 76 games, something like that. Uh, I came off the bench two, and they were both okay. in two thousand and thirteen. They were my first two games, September two thousand thirteen, zebra, and then away to Cardiff, and then every other game from that I ended up starting, and that wasn't. I'm not saying that was because I was a rock star, but that was, you know, you'd you'd get injured, you'd be out for my last right shoulder's out for 11 months. Mm-hmm. And you come back and, you know, there's, you know, there's not that there's no one else, but the squad's run very thin again and other guys are picking up knocks and you kind of needed to step right back in there. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so that's something I think that's helped me is, is um, I think resource medically as well. Like, you, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate here. I get, you know, get looked after very well. Um, you know, I know all the coaches very well, so I've got a relationship there. If I'm, you know, if I'm not one hundred percent, it's it's not, you know, it's, it's not that that pressure that I have to push myself through something I'm I'm, I'm uncomfortable with if my body's not right. Um, and then as well, like like you know, I would say, geez, I'd, I'd probably be fifty percent bench. You know what I mean? So so my minutes yeah. would be a lot lower than what I would have been at Connacht as well. So there's. You know, there's there's that too, but but yeah, I think I think probably one of the big ones is that that resource medically here has has been really helpful. As you were chatting there, I was actually just looking up your stats. Yeah, ninety six percent starter for Connacht, and then fifty five percent for for Bristol. Like so, yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the likes of like Dan Thomas is like he's a phenomenally talented player. Um, Sam Jeffries has decided he plays seven now as well, <laughs> but he's mate, he's incredible. Um, obviously, you know, Jack Lamb was here when I first arrived. Um, Fatarding's come through and he was, you know, one of the best back rowers in the Prem last year. So, mate, there's just there's quality across the board, um, particularly, I, you know, I think in the back row. So, uh, which is, is great. It kind of competitively, you know, we all sort of push each other, we all kind of grow together, but but as well, if you know. If you have a bit of a knock, there's normally not that same pressure to, you know what I mean? To, mm. to or sorry, if if you're injured, you can be injured and someone else can step up and do the job. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that kind of yeah, that guilt of kind of missing out or anything like that. But or, or rush back or anything like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was actually kind of like like Pat's funny because I was talking to I came over, I think, for your team photo shoot day uh, earlier in the season, and I was chatting to uh, AJ. And yeah. it was kind of funny that he's been brought back in. And because I always remember, like, 
Pat's kind of in a weird way. He's missed over here in Ireland, like because he was such a personality. But um, you know, is was he is he a big for you? Was he the big selling points? You know, when he was going to Bristol and kind of come join me on the journey, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've always you know I've always enjoyed playing uh, playing with Pat. I think um, you know I I, I think Pat is. He's a unique individual. He's one of, um, you know, like a lot of directors and GMs and, um, you know, Shay Livingstone. I don't know if you come across yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my agent now. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. But he's another one, you know, there's, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to meet another couple. I'm Tainton, our COO here, like very, very driven, um, you know, very, very intelligent, very driven who work and surround themselves in, in these in these massive cultures and those are the sorts of people that, that I kind of I, I like to align myself with and I like to spend a lot of time with and I like to learn from so um you know I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work with Pat and to continue to kind of work with him and now be in that sort of leadership team where we're trying to drive things forward here and um you know so yeah I suppose a big one for me is is yeah finding people that that I can learn from that um that can sort of motivate and get the best out of me and and yeah look i yeah i, I think he's he's fantastic yeah yeah and and then like you're like even now like lately it's sure it's funny even since we last talked i was kind of saying yeah i've had a, a clatter of kids and <laughs> probably whatever hair i was going to lose yeah. <laughs> your nose is going a little bit more over this way the whole time but um like is, is it kind of funny to look at yourself now as like uh not a veteran but like experienced like you know like it are you do you kind of you're you're in with a different bunch of lads in in the main squad like you're not with the young guys anymore is that a kind of thing you have to kind of learn to kind of cope with as 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 it goes along yeah well mate that sneaks up on you like I was a young fella for so long and then you turn one day and you're not um but look I think the yeah the thing for me is like like I definitely a- approach the game um you know I, I approach it a lot differently like I was very a very strong world bull-headed young player and, and look I think that was that was what got me in the door you know that's what, mm. what I had a lot of success off off there you know and I, I made no excuse about um where I wanted to go and the successes I wanted to have and um you know and I suppose that you know a few injuries you, you're sort of looking at um you're looking at retirement at 24 25 years old um you know, and then obviously now I've, you know, I've, I've my wife and, and a baby on the ways, it puts things in perspective a little bit. Um, so sort of understanding, you know, understanding maybe the big picture a bit more, I would say. I'd say I, I probably have a more rounded experience and, um, you know, and and the way I approach the game. So, but but I, I suppose number one for me, though, is, is I, I still love playing. Um, mm. I love getting out in the pitch. I love throwing the ball around. I, I really do. And I'd like to think if, if that stopped, I'd I'd walk away from the game, you know, I'd go do something else. But um, you know, number one is yeah, I really enjoy playing. And it is, yeah, it is funny to see, you know, the way my career's kind of gone and, and where I'm at now. But I'm very fortunate to have, like I said, to have sort of almost done this. It's almost like an apprenticeship, having done it with someone like Pat, who who where culture is such an important thing. And um, you know, and and obviously in a high performance environment where um, being competent, being good at your job, being able to deliver that day in day out, whether you want to or not, you know that that sort of thing is, um, yeah, has been has been a really big learning for me. How have you found found the captaincy then as well? Like, um, you know, any kind of major changes or 
do you have to kind of carry yourself in a different way? You'd be a guy who's available for people to come and talk to as well. Like, how have you found all that type of, um, you know, th- th- that big change? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I had done a lot of captaincy when I was younger. Um, so it wasn't wasn't something that I was uncomfortable with. It wasn't something. Um, I, I'd almost, not I'd gone away from it, but it had become less, you know, I'd sort of put myself less in probably in those positions at a point in my career where I'd probably felt that, you know, shit with the quality around me, I, I really need to, you know, knuckle down and get my things right. Um, look, mate, it doesn't change a whole lot. Like, I think um, my role in the team now, I think I have to be, I have to be that every day regardless, you know what I mean? Even if I'm injured from training, I have to be able to to have honest conversations with people. I have to, you know, I have to pull people off. I don't think things are good enough and, and I have to be able to celebrate people if I think they're doing a really good job, you know, and that's that's part of the challenge of leadership. So then I think captaincy, it's it's made as much the same. It's trying to have a hold on the game, which, um, you know, I, I think of a pretty good understanding and and then I say dealing with refs lightly is, you know, refs are trying to move the game. They they don't want to muck around. They don't want to talk. They want to make their call and and move on. So so you know, a little bit of ref management, which which I've I've had to learn a little bit more of this year. But um, but I, I suppose it's been a huge privilege. Would be the only other thing I'd say is to you know lead out some of the quality we have here. It's um, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, very very proud moments anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then just even kind of like we're almost a bit of a weird season with Wasps and Worcester kind of not being around anymore, but like halfway through almost like we can kind of talk about how things have gone. It was like I was even saying it to Charles, an amazing start for you guys. And then kind of in a weird way, that Newcastle game that like, which is a bit of a dirty game like that seemed to turn everything on its head. It's a, it's a bit of a thing where like where you're winning, you wish you could bottle it. But then when you're losing, you're like you're trying everything to shake out of it. What's that kind of been like the last few months? Yeah, mate. It's yeah. Look, that was tricky. That that uh, Newcastle game was yeah. It was particularly disappointing for me. I think, um, and we've we've had bits of that sort of right the way through the season. You know that that sort of bits of that game have turned up at different times. You know um, where where we just haven't fronted. You mm. know, and, um, it's something I think Alice put it really well that you know if if people think it's a choice, you know, whether you turn up and, and you do the hard bits, um, you're in the wrong place, you know, because it's, it's not. It's this is this is the job and this is where we're at. So I think um, as a playing group, I think we've we've got a lot of growth. Um, I think we've had a really good month. Uh, it's a bit of a, you know, like we've won two Europe. We beat Cardiff. We beat South Africa. We drew with Leicester. Like in terms of the results that we need, we haven't had them because – we need results in the prem, um, but as a group, I, I think we're making growth. I think we're we're having honest conversations. Um, you know, and I, I'm an eternal optimist, and I think we're moving in the right direction. But you know, it, it has been. I, I genuinely think it has been a case of of as a team, we just haven't fronted and needed to. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And and I was ta- talking to Charles about a couple of the guys in the squad, and I was saying who gives the best team talks and stuff. And he mentioned Ellis as being good. Has he been great now? Like you know, you're four or five months into the season with him, uh, you know, like a local lad as well. Like, just what's it been like having him back on on, on the ground? But uh, you know, when when there's no international window, and you know, just him there training with you guys every day. What's it What's it been like him having him there? Mate, he's he's fantastic. Um, so 
you know, Alice is, is very driven, um, very high standards, uh, knows where he wants to go, knows how to get there. Um, you know, you probably know yourself, Alice, is, his reputation precedes him. He's, hmm. um, you know, very happy to speak his mind and and be confrontational and, and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, very big persona, which which I expected. What I wasn't aware of was his his intelligence, both socially and and verbally, how well he communicates, um, and not just to a playing group, but to coaches, to to everyone. Um, he's you know he's he's very intelligent and a very good communicator, and he meets people on their level. You know, he doesn't just run around shouting at everyone. You know, he'll meet people where he needs to meet them, and I think. Mate, I think again. I think we're going in the right direction. I think a lot of that is is to do with the work that he's doing and um, the different experiences he's had as well. He's been, you know, he's just come from a very successful Leicester team, which do things different to the way we do it, and and the things he can take from that. So, um, you know, and that's that's just the stuff he does off the field. Then obviously on the field, he's, you know, what I mean. He's um, he's phenomenal as well. Is there anything I was kind of even thinking there? Like, is there anything you guys might do? to change things up a little bit, you know, like in terms of like you go in, train it, like, you know, sometimes it gets to be like a job. Is there anything you do to kind of get away from the kind of like the HBC is, is unbelievable. Like even from visiting, but like, do you ever do anything as a squad to get out, out of that kind of thing and in a whole different setting? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, I suppose it's like, first and foremost, it's made, it's, it's going to be a job. You know what I mean? I don't think there's any avoiding that to a degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, you know, like it, this is at the end of the day, it, it is our job. And this is why we we are so fortunate and why we're in the, you know, the the couple of percent in the world who, who get to do it, you know. So so I think there's that appreciation that when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. And that's that's probably more where we're at, at the moment. Um yeah, look, I'm and I'm I'm the first to admit that fucking I, like I I need to get away from here and I need to get my head away from here and um and that can take a bit of a you know, it, it can sit quite heavy with me if I don't. So, but I kind of find my own ways of of doing that. That's more my family time and mm. and that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, we're we're kind of we're working on you know a few bits, which we're becoming more of a trying to lead things more as a playing group, not leaving things to oh Pat will solve it. You know what I mean? Like because by the time Pat solved it, we've already lost the game. So that's where, that's probably where we've identified as a playing group where we need to be better, I think. Yeah, well, that's isn't that, that's the funny thing about Pat, isn't he? He's such a big personality as well that like you could tend to lean on him because he'll put it all on his shoulders, isn't he? But yeah, it's, it's up to you guys in a way to, to kind of take that responsibility. 100%. And, and mate, I think, I think that's what's happened, you know, and um, to a degree, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, um, it's not black or white, but yeah, to a degree, you know, I think as as a playing group, we can we can definitely you know grab a hold of it a bit more because I mean, rugby's a simple game, right? It's not as there, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of noise, a lot of fluff. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty simple game, and um, you know, I suppose one, you know, if you you look after the ball, you you know you you control position, control territory, uh, and front up physically, you're going to have a good chance of winning the game, and and we've got the talent to win games. So then it's, you know, that's where, again, where it's on us as players to drive that culture, drive that that, that culture of performance where, you know, when we have to turn up and we have to win games, well, we do the the fundamental basics, We you know, to ensure we give ourselves the best chance of success, right? 
Yeah, definitely. And just in terms of like, cause sometimes I'll be get on, getting on to Will, maybe saying, can I chat to this guy? This guy I was kind of wondering from the guy who's kind of been around the squad for a year, who were kind of good characters in the squad? Like are guys who got a good story if, if it was to look to chat to somebody else? Um, Jake Wilmore's good crack. He's, he's a good hand. He loves media. He's a, honestly, tell him you give him a pair of socks and he'll do anything for you. <laughs> um, it depends what type of crack you're after. Tom Whiteley's good crack, but it's, it can be pretty dark, you know, if that's your, if that's your, um, yeah, trying to think, trying to think that who else would be good. Woolley's a good, Woolley's definitely a good start. Sure. You, have you spoken with AJ? He's, he's, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. he's, mate, he's, I've actually really enjoyed like since he's been back. Um, him, another one, I see Joe Batley. So I played with Joe when I first got here. He's gone away to Worcester. He's come back again. Um, and, you know, and seeing both of them, sort of not seeing them for a few years, and then seeing them again, you know, and um, how much I suppose Joe's matured and and even AJ as well. You know, he's got the sense of wisdom about him now. Like he's, he's you know, very emotionally intelligent and a very rounded bloke. And um, yeah, so they, like that, that's two good boys to talk to as well. And um, I was kind of even thinking of someone like, well, like even Kyle Sinclair, like he's into his podcasts and he has this like uh, an, an emotionally intelligent guy as well. Is, it, is he yeah. like that in real life though as well? Oh, mate, he's, yeah, yeah. He's as full on as as you could imagine. Um, he's great. He's absolutely loving the bits. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, just such like a big loving personality. I don't know. He's, it's hard to, hard to describe. I've, I've come across very, very few people in my time like, uh, like Kyle Sinclair, someone who's, you know, is driven, but like always this massive smile on his face and always, you know, eight, nine, ten out of ten intensity. You know, it's um he's he's a great man to have around the club. Brilliant. All right, listen, nice talking to you again, Jake. You too, mate. You too. Take care, eh? Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, obviously you can catch the rest of that uh a season with series on Rugby Joe's Instagram. Yeah, it was a good chat with Jake Heenan there. Thanks, Pat, for getting it. European Cup is up next week, guys. We have a couple of good games. We have Gloucester versus Leinster. Leinster are away. We have Munster versus Northampton, which is always just a great European Cup game. Yeah. Uh, La Rochelle are taking on Ulster. At, um, Ulster are going away to La Rochelle to play Rogers' team. And that could have Ulster eliminated. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, kind of a bit of a talking point around the European Cup is the EPCR chairman, Dominic McKay, told BT Sport um, that there will be cup changes for the Champions Cup next season. Surely going back to the kind of groups of four which is always Jeez. kind of what, what we see as God. a Heineken Cup isn't it yeah why change something that works <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean the reason they changed it in the first place was they changed it because of COVID they brought it from 20 teams yeah. to 24 teams because they didn't want to because the game the season ended early as it goes unfair you might have qualified if you did but then they just didn't get rid of it no. and now it's still there and it's been is it the third season now Pat or the second season I think it's the third season we've got it now yeah. of 24 teams and it has taken all the fun out of it yeah. because we're looking at tomorrow now so Munster lost at home to Toulouse the first game normally you lose a home game like you're in big trouble you're in big trouble because you got to win your home games yeah. and get a, probably one away win or maybe a, at least one bonus point home mm. win. Now, if they beat Northampton, they're pretty much qualified. Yeah. Do you know? And like they've already, they, they, I know they beat them away, but they can still lose to lose away and qualify. Yeah. Like Connacht got through last year, one game, qualified. It's just, it takes all the fun out of it. And then the fun part was last round, permutations. Like they're probably going to keep the round of 16 in, which I, I disagree with. I think it should go back straight to quarterfinals, but it's, it's more money in, it's more mm. games. But 
Yeah, I mean, although Pat was saying like uh, before the, 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 the we went on, like, on, on air today, like, and I'd be worried because like, he could be right. Like, what if they add more teams to it and make it into? Oh, but say. if they did it that way, maybe, maybe add on an extra pool, so at least you have those pools of five yeah. to make it entertaining and to make it tougher to get through. And you know, it's just because all cup competitions, no matter what sport, the excitement is the knockout and seeing some big teams. Like even in the World Cup, we're talking about you know South Africa, Scotland, Ireland. So it'll be big teams gone, you know, yeah. early rounds. So that's the excitement. You ever want to see it? But like. Yeah, I don't know why they cha- they didn't like look at changing it back. And I do get the money in the round of 16 and all, but like, don't take away the excitement. Yeah. Make it harder than It's going to make the Premiership and the URC and the top 14 and stuff. It's going to make that more competitive because you've got less teams and make it harder to qualify. Make it more difficult to qualify. Mm. Make it like, I mean, look how coveted and look how big it is in the Premier League in football. Top four gets Champions League. And like they're the elite teams get in. Like imagine every year, like you only had like five teams in the URC to qualify for the Champions Cup, yeah. and you just met at the elite competition. That's that's and that's what it was before. No, like, it was before. Yeah, you know, they had the groups of four, and they, we had the back to back fixtures. Remember, like sometimes Munster would have to go away to Claremont to get yeah, a win, and they come brilliant. back to home yeah. and stuff, and or the big game against Sale and Old Tumman Park, things like that. The Gloucester game, the miracle match the where Gloucester you had to get the four tries and stuff. Those days are gone. And you'd yeah, yeah. be having out the calculator. Yeah. How are we going to win this game? Twenty-five tellies looking at everyone. Some of those games. I remember. Yeah, I remember. we played Racing one year. It was before they got super big, but they were on the way up. Like they had cards. Or like we had to get a bonus point against Rasking and Thomas Park and we got it like with the, or even they had the sale match with Wally scoring that try and that mm. was the year we went on to win it mm-hmm. so like we like do you know what I mean like that try was so important mm. that we were going to go out and we ended up winning it for the first time thanks to an 80 minute try by David Wallace in the corner to get that bonus point to yeah. get you through the group and that is what made that's what made it the best competition in rugby exactly. and it's losing that now at the we moment can't lose. and we don't want to lose that we don't yeah, hopefully they go back to that because it was a winning product as you said Lindsay don't uh Fix something that's not broken. No. Exactly. And we want to chat about the upcoming Six Nations, guys. So the squad should be named this week. I think England said they're going to name theirs. We presume Ireland and the other guys are going to name theirs as well. Um, Johnny Sexton looks to be okay and cleared to come back and play. But we were kind of chatting off air, guys. Like, do we need him to play? Just mind him. Just get him to the World <laughs> Cup. What do we think? Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm going to stick to it. Now that we're live on air, you you know, I'm going to stand by it. It's probably the worst thing for us because mm-hmm. we need our hand forced to give the likes of um, Jack Crowley some time, Joey Carby some time. Um, we should probably allow like one of the Burn brothers Byrne. to come in or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. Now, I yeah. didn't think Harry had the greatest game at 10. Unfortunately, you know, never want to see it uh, against the Ospreys. But uh, Harry did come on and he settled. And I think, you know, that kick to win that game against Australia, you know, after being plucked from his couch, you know, to Ross, cover. Come on, yeah. Oh, sorry, Ross. Ross yeah. um, mm. To, you know, in that, in our autumn series there mm. was was exceptional. And I think he deserves that try, that time. I think we spoke about the game. He got his, his start against mm. England when we got thumped by 50 points. And, 10 is such a pivotal position. It's like a centre-half in soccer. It's like your point guard in basketball. It takes time and maturity and it takes, unfortunately, those really harsh learnings. Mm. Mm. You also have to build up that half-back partnership with your 9-10. And you're pivotal in all decision-making. Do you know what I mean? You're linking with your captain, with your pack leader. So I think... Uh, and this is what my question is what way is Andy Farrell and his team going to run the Six Nations for us are we going to continue to blood those who've come through like the Jack Crowley's from the Emerging Ireland into the squad or are we just going to stick to the the tried and tested that we know work for us I think we'd benefit more from having uh, Jack Crowley Joey Carberry and Ross Byrne 
in playing the whole Six Nations than we would than winning a Grand Slam with Johnny Sexton. Absolutely, I agree. And, that's, and, I, and I stand by that. We would benefit more. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I and know. that oh sounds horrible. Look, lads, we've done it. We've, we've, we've had the, the, the fairy tale Johnny Sexton drop goal against Paris, and we've had the fairy tale Ron Nogara drop goal against Wales. We've had the beaten, we beat England. Like, you, can you get any better than we won a Grand Slam in Twickenham on Paddy's Day against England? We can't get any higher than Six Nations. We've done it all. Yeah. We've done as high. There is no other perfect way to win a Six Nations than Ogara's drop goal against Wales and beating England on Paddy's Day in Twickenham. And so we've Johnny's done it all. kicking Paris. And Johnny's kicking France. Paris. We've done it all. We've had all our fair to I get your point 100%. We, we want yeah, to win yeah. a World Cup. I, I get, we just want it all, you see. That's because we're number one in the world. We want to win it all. And we're not know, making any excuses for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I do think that we need to have the long-term picture here and the World Cup is what we want. That's we, what we we've want. Done, as you so said, we've won the Six Nations we've won the Grand Slams if we do it again it'll be like oh unreal like class but we've seen it before yeah obviously it'll be class to do it but I do agree with Lindsay what, she, what you're saying is let the young lads play let them do the thing they could have Johnny in consulting for the whole Six Nations and like be in there but yeah. let the guys play but look what's happened is I think Johnny's actually going to be alright and he probably will play the big games he'll end games. up playing probably four or the five games yeah. you know what and I mean and maybe they do Maybe <laughs> look we're not Andy Farrell and, <laughs> and Mike Hatton all the guys maybe their plan is to have Johnny in and, and build their uh, playing platform for the World Cup do you know what I mean and no I think like it's a bit like we spoke about Malcolm Marks I think the other bit what might be any harm to Johnny I think he's a player who's who, he doesn't actually it doesn't affect his performance when he's out for a couple of weeks I think he thrives because he's so competitive no more than myself I'm sure he doesn't let his own kids win little games um, but you he just needs to stay hungry I mean mm. more harm to he is pivotal. This could be his thing about it. This is Johnny Sexton. This could be his last Six Nations. Johnny, Se- Johnny Sexton wants to spend his last Six Nations on the bench. He's like, no, I want to win a Grand Slam because he's Johnny Sexton. That's, what, what, that's what makes him the player he is. He wants to win. He wants to be the best. I think if Johnny wants to play, Johnny plays as well. And he fell on playing today. All right, okay, Johnny. Yeah, cool. Do you know what I mean? Because he is that kind of player. Yeah. He is. And I, and, and I get it. And as I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat that I would be the exact same thing. I'd be in a huff in a corner. You're not playing me. And then you have the sentiment of what service he's given to Ireland and how it's Exceptional, and you wouldn't begrudge him his last Six no. Nations. But I think if you said, "Would you like a Webb Ellis Trophy, or would you like yeah. another Six Nations <laughs> yeah. medal?" What's Johnny Sexton going to say to you? He'll end his career as a world champion. Come if on. You saw an interesting one. I don't know if you saw the documentary that was on over the Christmas, the tackling the All Blacks one. It's very good. It was. It was good. It's good. It's a. It's. It's, it's a good forty-minute documentary. You'll catch it on the player. But uh, he was asked before he went over by his wife. He's like, "Would you be happy with?" A win against New Zealand. Just one win. If I offered you a, a test win now, would you take it? He's like, oh, 100%. And then they won the second game. Then she's like, so you're happy? He's like, no. He's like, no, I want a series. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't. She's like, you're, you're going to be angry now if you don't win a series. He's like, obviously, yeah. But you said you'd be happy if you got a win. Yeah, but that's different. Now we have the win in the second test and we can win the series. I'm not happy to look at a series. I think that's Laura is his wife's name. She, she should know better. You live with that man a long time. <laughs> you know, and that's Johnny. Like, that's, like, that's he, what makes him the player he is. Exactly. Absolutely. That's why he's had the career he had. And that's why we need him to win this World Cup I know I'm saying that very uh, early on but I do think we can do it Yeah. Um, but anyway we'll talk about the Six Nations and not get ahead of ourselves too much for the World Cup Johnny's going to play um, and the, hopefully the other lads Crowley and Carby will play as well but talking about the squad not just about the 10 there's mm. lots of other positions on the pitch as well yeah. is there anyone do you think there's a, call them an, an obvious squad that's played in the Autumn Nations and mm. stuff is there anyone that you think will make their way into that squad uh, Lindsay um one for me that's kind of just sticking out while you're thinking there yeah, is Gavin on. Coombs I think might slip in 
Um, even though this back row is really kind of stacked, mm. I just think he's playing so well. He's in and he's scoring tries every week from Munster. Good point, um, maybe someone like Calvin Nash might get in again. I know he's in the last squad. I think someone like that, and they might actually play them this time. I think if I, um, that's obviously very Munster esque there now as well. I think he might bring in a few as well, like what, like what he did before. Is he might bring a few, a kind of a separate squad of like seven or eight kind of younger players and stuff. I might maybe look at someone like Witcherly, maybe even bring in someone like a Dogbo on them. Yeah, Give yeah. them a bit of training, because like, you know what they normally like to bring in, like Pian Prendergast came in last year and stuff, and your uh, Hatton Craig AC two years ago, where you're not quite in the squad. But you get to train with the big boys. And I'd like you'll to see learn an awful lot in, to be honest. Yeah, uh, he's very here. like James Ryan. Like he's such a big guy, big strong man. Mm. Um, I don't know about Gavin Coombs in the back row because actually Jack Conan had an absolutely exceptional game. One of the few kind of stand out that he's starting to really come back to his best. Mm. Um, Ryan Bard as well has been playing six for Leinster and I, I he was playing the second row partnership against Connacht if memory serves me right. Him and J- James Ryan. Yeah. But watching him in the scrum, he still needs could bit of work on that like your mm-hmm. second row was they're so pivotal to your scrum he was a bit high for me so like kind of I'm like you're looking at so many players in the back row I don't know who's getting in there name your starting back row then oh god I think to be honest well Van Fleer's like seven sewn obviously. up obviously yeah. um, I think I'd have to go with Doris at eight and I'd probably still go with Pio Manny you six. love Pio Manny oh, you do you know what you're, I, I'd probably go the same as you I'd like, I'd like to get Conan His back leadership. in there but like, yeah. he was good the other day but Conan hasn't had the best seasons No, and like just like Peter Manny is just he's Peter Manny like you yeah. know it's not, he's dying out prowess like what he brings around the pitch as just as a leader yeah. what he brings I mean he, he, as you said he's playing some of his best rugby again he's absolutely fantastic this season like he does everything <laughs> he's brilliant over the ball do you know what I mean yeah. Like, and you've, you've got like Ty Byrne then in the second row then alongside James Ryan mm. I think the big 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 thing is like I know Dan Sheen is playing well like, but like it's still a toss up between him and Keller in that hooker position who starts I think because people forget just because Dan Sheen has done so well like Keller wasn't available the last time around and, I'm still and he wasn't fit so that he, that he might just go actually Keller's back in there he, he, Andy Farrell might do that and you see your scrum is key for your hooker and now we talk about the throne and his you know he's nearly like a back row he's so mobile in in, mm. in open play in the loose um, which is what you, want, what you want to see from your hooker as well so a nice mismasters out there in the wing but I still was trying to figure out what was happening for Leinster's scrum sometimes it can be certain angles like so if you're if you know the opposition are kind of off the mark slightly, that puts their say tie head in an angle. So I was trying to think now: are we up to that level where we're kind of in a headspace where you can ca- kind of counteract if more experienced hookers and mm. front rows are playing against you? So Kelleher might have the nip on just the scrummaging, and yeah. everything else is ticked evenly. Do you know? Do, do you know what I think is someone that people kind of thought might not make it back into the squad, but I think in recent weeks because of the way he's played, is Keith Earls hasn't played much rugby this season, but he's played the last couple of games. He's, he has played. He's played well. I think if he plays in the Champions Cup and has a couple of good games, I think he'll make the squad. I'm I not think, sure. What is he on? Is he on 98 caps or something? Is he something is, like ridiculous? You know, close to 100, know, yeah. I, to be honest with you, like we said the same thing. I was, it was, I was just looking back again on that, that documentary. Like, and I remember, you know, Keith Earls played that first Maori game, and then they were like, oh, Keith Earls now he's playing that. And then he started in the first test. Mm. You know, there's something about Keith Earls. I've said it time and time again do not write off Keith Earls. I suppose it's me. Never I'm picking write him off. I'm and picking I think him he could be in that squad and I'd love to see him in there and I'd love to see him I think he'll be in the squad because I've heard that he's really good at coaching the young fellas yeah. and keeping it all together and being very cohesive and training and teaching guys things. Will he start in that back three though? Could you no, name your starting back not, three like, for the Six probably Nations? Probably not unless, unless there's an injury there. Like you're probably going to look at as we, we said it time and time again it's probably going to be Lowe, Hansen and Keaton is your back three and I think your centres then I think I think Aki loses out again I think it's going to be because you can't drop Gary no. and I think Robbie works better with 
with because with because of the Leinster link yeah. up with Gary. So and then you've got like, I wouldn't I personally wouldn't be playing six in a ten. Do you know I probably play six and ten against France and England mm. at home, and I'd play away away to Italy, Scotland, and Wales. I play a Crowley or a Carberry, one hundred percent. That's what I do. Like that Johnny Johnny doesn't have to get on a plane and injure himself or anything like that. He can just chill out. He doesn't yeah. have to go for the slog. Yeah. Relax. Go out your front door yeah. and play France and play England and yeah, there you go. Definitely, yeah, I agree with you completely. Johnny for the big games and Gibson Park at nine. Gibson, I I vary it up then again as, as the same again. Like I'd give Murray, Casey, and Gibson Park all a game time. Maybe give them all a start each. Like I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right actually because uh, Gibson Park probably has hasn't had the season he has had previously, even though he's been good. Um, but I think Craig Casey comes on. He's had an exceptional, you know. He speeds up the game. It's what mm. we need. So I think you're right. I think Murray's the same thing. Murray's starting to come into form again as well. Is, Murray's playing some good rugby at the moment. I think bring them in tactically and give them all a chance to, to kind of shine and put their hand up. But I think they're three exceptional nines and we're in a good position to have three world-class nines at our, our disposal. So you don't think any uh, shock selections for the squad then? You all think... I'm just trying to think no like, I just don't think so because it, we're so fresh off that New Zealand tour. I'm the only one sticking my neck out here then, is it? Who are you putting in, Calvin I Nash? I said Coombs and Nash in the squad. Coombs maybe and Nash, yeah. I said like, uh, I'm trying to think, okay, I think from Coombs one's perspective, no, from one's perspective, no. I don't think, see, a lot of those guys that were unexpected have already been brought in. See, normally, uh, with the old kind of Schmidt here and stuff, like these guys were only brought in every now and then. If you look since Farrell has come in, the amount of guys that he's brought in over the last few years that normally he wouldn't have got brought in, they've all been brought in and given a chance early. Everyone's nearly everyone's been capped at some stage. Yeah, but you can't cap them all. I'm asking you who's going to be the. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, is there anyone there that hasn't been capped that hasn't been brought in? Yeah. I don't think so. Like, there's guys that have been rotated in and out. I can't think straight away, is there someone there that hasn't been captured? Has Calvin Nash been captured? Not for the 15 senior squad. Yeah, no, so but he's been in the squad. He's been called up. Yeah, he's been I'd like to see him so in camp. Yeah. And I think, yeah, if you're going to pick anyone, I think he's he's really been on a rise since his emerging tour and he's gotten a lot of mm. confidence and he's played very well for Munster. But again, he's coming into a position where you kind of, again, you could name a, like a load of wingers. Like Jimmy O'Brien can come in on the wing. We've Lowe, we've Hanson, we've Keith Earls, who again, you can't write him off because he's exceptional. Conway's still to come back. Conway's still to come back. Um, yeah, but I'm not even asking like someone that hasn't been captain, like someone that like, oh, geez, I didn't think he'd be in the squad. Like, so well, like, I went out there with Keith Earls. Yeah, a lot, a lot, Earls, of, a lot yeah. of people talk Keith Earls. Or like a Earls. Joe McCarthy or something might might come in again. I'd like to see Joe come in. I think he's he's earned his cap. But again, I can't see him getting picked over James Ryan and Ty Byrne unless there's like a, a you know an injury to them. And he could be. Mm. Again, I think he's someone who can offer something in the World Cup. He's a big, big mobile guy. And to come up against now, mm. like teams now, like the likes of South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, they're just mobile, big vending machines thing. on legs. That's our thing. their last chance to like blood these guys and give That's them a it. bit of crack before the World Cup. I'll put my head out and I'll yeah. say Joe McCarthy will yeah. get in there. I yeah. just think Coombs, I think it's a great show. I think he's back playing. It's great stuff. But Jesus Christ, one area you don't want to be competing for is the, is the back row <laughs> I think we'll know we will know straight away game, so game one is Wales away from home isn't it we will know straight away how he's going to approach the Six Nations based on one decision on that game against Wales if Johnny Sexton starts against Wales <laughs> no because Johnny isn't going to be fully fit he's yeah. just coming back so he'll be just about fit you're playing Wales away from home if Johnny starts that game then we're not going to see a kind of he's not going to blood players in it's just going to be balls to the wall best 15 Let's five go. games yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. going to happen and if Johnny doesn't play that game and he mi mixes things up a little bit and you're like oh, okay maybe he's going to switch things around that's that's my opinion I, I, agree, that's you. Look at it. I agree I think you're right I think you're dead right alright that's time for our never stop competing moment of the week together at Bank of Ireland and this week I'm going to give the honours to Lindsay to hand it out 
Thank you, sir. And it's my privilege to give it to a Munster player. Uh, Roshi Normand is loose head um, and got to line out for Munster this weekend against Ulster. And it was a big deal because she's just come back from long COVID and was out probably for around six months. So just to acknowledge her getting herself back on the pitch after being... Um, yeah, really laden down with it. So. Thanks very much, Dad. That's a great one, Lindsay. Appreciate it. Great story and good to have her back. That's our Never Stop Competing moment of the week together with Bank of Ireland. And that's it for this week, guys. A big thank you to Lindsay and Jason for your expertise as always. Thank you, sir. No big problem. thank you to Pat and the backroom staff here for your unbelievable work. And a massive thank you to Bank of Ireland, our sponsors and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.